Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Staking Mondays. We are live with a special Christmas edition of Staking Mondays. My name is Ken. I'm with co-founder of Staking Rewards, Merkel Schmiedel, and we are delighted to welcome today's guest, Edward of Staken. He's the founder of Staken, which is a staking provider and operating proof-of-stake nodes since 2018. So welcome, Edward, and let's jump right into it. Um, first, we'd like you to, you know, be very quick with these answers. This is sort of a sort of a lightning round. So, which was your first crypto investment outside of BTC and Ethereum? Uh, hi. Hello, guys. Uh, Tezos. Do I have to give details uh, or? No, uh, that, that's that, that's perfect. Uh, thanks a lot. Um, so, which was the person inspired you the most during your crypto journey? Sorry, can you repeat? Uh, what was the person that inspired you the most during your full crypto journey? Uh, Vitalik Buterin. Okay, common. We were seeing that answer pop up. And uh, what's the most inspiring proof of stake protocol? Um, so far, Cosmos. Cool, cool. And what's your favorite crypto podcast? Staking Mondays. <laughs> Heck yeah. And when's the last time you checked your crypto portfolio? An hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that makes sense. And uh, the last one, a bit personal, like which destination are you planning to traveling to next? Uh, Uruguay. That's cool. Amazing. Um, so yeah, very, very good. Um, let's jump into like uh, a bit more questions on the proof stake market and, uh, about your business as well. Um, so, uh, let's start with like, how, how do you find new protocols to run validator nodes for when you consider like, yeah, starting operations on a new protocol, how do you find them? How do you get in touch with them? Do you get pitched or like, do you, do you go out, research them, find them? How, how does that work for you? That's a, that's a pretty good question. So it's typically a, a mix of two things. So on one hand of the spectrum, we have some clients with whom we work and some institutional clients. And uh, very often uh, we may get some uh, inbound requests uh, to support a protocol as a staking provider and offer staking services uh, on it, in which case we're going to explore the protocol and the opportunity. And on the other end, uh, our team, uh, we're all always consistently uh, looking at you know, the overall uh, protocols, proof of stake market, uh, new opportunities, new technologies being developed. Uh, and it's a very progressive process. Uh, we do not have like an exact framework and uh, score sheet uh, that some may have, but yeah, we'll typically like uh, to get involved early on the protocols and take part uh, in test nets uh, and you know have a feel at the community and the technology, uh, try things out, uh, learn how things work. And this kind of enables us to take a progressive decision towards are we going to support it uh, when mainnet arrives or are we going to keep supporting that test net or are we just uh, not going to support it further? Um, so yeah. Two approaches: one, uh, clients requesting to uh, provide uh, staking services on protocols that we may not support yet, and two, uh, like a more of a VC approach, uh, like a, where we're going to uh, evaluate 
the tech, the protocol, and decide, OK, let's let's launch on it. And hopefully, we'll get some traction and some delegators, uh, potentially institutionals or retail or, or whoever. And I like the fact that you actually do listen to clients and will make adjustments based on their feedback as well. You don't see that a lot in this space, so that's cool to see. Um, and how do you evaluate protocols to run validator nodes for? What are the, what are the different considerations uh, here? Uh, okay. But we mostly look uh, at, I guess, the, the the technology and the economics. Uh, so, or is the protocol, you know, actually solving a problem? Is is there going to be demand for such a protocol? Uh, is it uh, something that I don't know, makes sense? Uh, is it gonna? Is it stable enough? Uh, is it secure? Uh, who's building it? Uh, and also, like in terms of economics, uh, well, we like to uh, you know supporting a protocol is like making an investment, and we have uh, fixed costs in terms of. Uh, human resources and employees and servers uh, and infrastructure. And ideally, we'd like to cover uh, the, those, fix, those fixed costs, uh, at least. Uh, although sometimes we do offer uh, promotions, and we, sometimes we uh, do uh, have like periods where we uh, lower the fees uh, to kind of uh, please our delegator community and potentially attract more delegators. Uh, yeah, we'd like to uh, have Yes, something that makes sense as a, as, a, as a validator. Very cool. Um, and then is there any protocol that you are super excited about currently? And uh, like, why are you excited about it? Um, so right now, I'm very excited about uh, decentralized uh, bridges, because uh, we do have like some interesting um, interoperability ecosystems that have emerged with Cosmos on one hand and all the Tendermint-based uh, blockchains. Then we have like Polkadot and the Substrate-based blockchains where everybody can share data and um, value between blockchains. Uh, yet we still have too many interesting layer ones uh, or ecosystems that are siloed uh, from each other. Uh, the EVM ecosystem doesn't necessarily speak with the Cosmos ecosystem, doesn't necessarily speak with the Solana one. Um, and right now we're seeing a lot of interesting uh, bridges that have uh, enabled so far users to transfer uh, value and sometimes data between uh, these blockchains and ecosystems. Uh, however, like a lot of these bridges so far are still centralized. Um, and one of the so two networks that we're excited about right now in decentralized bridge space or uh, D-Bridge, uh, which uh, is going to be a decentralized bridge solution to help connect uh, all these different blockchains together, EVM, Solana, Cosmos, uh, in, in the future. And uh, Gravity Bridge, uh, that is more focused on uh, Cosmos and uh, Ethereum EVM uh, ecosystem. Uh, and I think these decentralized bridges are super important uh, because, well, they offer more security to the user. Uh, ideally, uh, they don't 
they have less uh, single point of failures. Uh, a lot of the bridges being run out there right now is whether like some multi-sig or sometimes uh, there's somebody who has the key and we don't even know who it is. It's almost like a centralized exchange. Uh, there's not much transparency and uh, actually there's a lot of funds at risks and these, because there's lots of funds locked in these bridges, they, they are actually like very interesting targets uh, for, for potential attacks. Uh, and yeah, we really need to to work all together on decentralized bridges solution. I think D-Bridge and Gravity Bridge and, and, and more bridges merging, like Wormhole, all bridges, they're, they're, they're very interesting uh, protocols to explore right now. Yeah, and I just want to follow up on that with you, Edward. So uh, obviously the bridges get you very excited for interoperability, but uh, what's like one main use case that you see coming uh, out of this these bridges that have been developed over the last few years? Um, I think the, the, the use case uh, will be to uh, abstract uh, kind of the blockchain experience, even though I, I like it, but to abstract that blockchain experience for a lot of the uh, end users, uh, because as soon as this blockchain can start to communicate with each other, uh, you remove a lot of challenges around uh, value and data transmission and uh, dApps, uh, they're, they're able to uh, also use uh, these bridges and they're able to use like different blockchains um, for different applications. Uh, so you have like a lot of application specific blockchains that are emerging and that are going to emerge in the future. And that really kind of helped the whole uh, scalability uh, aspects of blockchains. And uh, you, you, a user will be able to uh, use any kind of decentralized application without like worrying uh, too much uh, about like the whole experience of the gas fees or uh, interacting with different blockchains. Uh, everything might just be seamless, you know, in a few months or a few years. Yeah, thanks for diving into some more detail there. I know some of our users may be excited for a bridge they may potentially use to cross their collateral to a different chain. Possibilities are endless. We're still so new in the space here. Um, now, are you doing any kind of investments at stake in as well? And what are your considerations when making an investment? Um, so at staking, uh, we've recently um, developed our investment arm uh, a bit more. Uh, we used to do uh, personal investments uh, with some of the team members investing into protocols that we like, and now uh, the company itself uh, invests uh, in early blockchain protocols, uh, very small amounts, uh, because we're a bootstrapped uh, staking provider. Uh, so typically up to $100,000. Uh, and yeah, we invest, so up to $100,000 in like protocols where uh, we see ourselves uh, potentially operating or adding value as an infrastructure provider. So, so far we haven't invested, for example, in uh, decentralized applications, but really on, only on infrastructure uh, related projects and proof of stake blockchains uh, or bridges, uh, this kind of project. And uh, typically, yeah, one of the criteria is, are we able to bring value? Uh, are we, so that's going to be something that has some synergy with uh, our expertise. And 
then it's more or less the same approach as when we start to support a network is like, do we like the team? Do we like the technology? Do you, we think it solves a problem? And do we want to hold uh, that cryptocurrency for, for the long term? Uh, um, I would say, yeah, our approach is, is uh, not strictly like VC based or not short termist, but it's more like the one of a strategic partner uh, where we won't be like one of the large uh, coin holders because we're a bootstrap staking provider, but we want to add value and we want to uh, kind of uh, invest in that coin for, for quite a few few years, right? Uh... Cool, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and so I, are you concerned at all about consolidation in the staking as a service sector, thinking about like acquisitions in the market of like, uh, staking providers getting bought up by big institutions or others, such something do you think it could lead to like, yeah, some kind of bad decentralization or what, what's your take on that? In terms of, uh, like acquisitions in market, I feel like. Uh, everything is is very buoyant right now. Uh, there are a lot of um, different kind of players, uh, ranging from uh, exchanges to mining company to hedge funds. Uh, we're looking to uh, get a strategic exposure or acquire uh, staking providers um, because yeah, staking is is here to stay. I think, and it's just uh, probably gonna likely going to be uh, the main consensus uh, algorithm in the next few years or potentially a few months once uh, the merge happened on Ethereum. Um, so there's there may be some kind of uh, slight consolidation that uh, will happen, uh, but I'm not so worried about like potential acquisitions. Uh, I haven't seen, for example, a lot of uh, staking provider uh, buying each other's. Uh, so far, I've seen more like strategic players buying uh, staking providers. And in this case, well, there are synergies and they're able to, let's say, uh, increase the assets under delegation after buying uh, that provider. But yet they're not buying, uh, you know, the voting power of another provider and they're not like just aggregating uh, all the voting power of smaller providers to uh, get to like that that critical uh, point uh, where they would own like so much voting power in the network that they will uh, end up owning it uh, but th there is some kind of consolidation uh, I think uh, networks are somehow decentralized uh, a lot of networks are getting more decentralized some are getting uh, slightly less uh, and there are probably yeah uh, more concerns around um, still around like custodian uh, custodial uh, service providers that do have a lot of voting power and they can uh, control this voting power and sometimes they can choose whether to delegate to one of their partner nodes uh, could be like a giant uh, staking providers like Coinbase, Bison Trails, or Block Demon, or they can make the choice uh, to decentralize uh, their voting power and choose like, I don't know, 10 or five uh, serious but smaller uh, staking providers um, and earn uh, exactly the same yield, uh, if not better, because uh, sometimes uh, we've seen that smaller staking providers are much, much more uh, dedicated 
uh, to uh, their work and infrastructure. Um, so yeah, the, the concentration right now is probably still mostly around like, okay, the exchanges, uh, the custodians uh, that have to remain as diagnostic as possible and starting to emerge uh, also with uh, more like decentralized kind of liquid staking solutions. Yeah, and another way to help promote decentralization with providers is to educate the users. And there's all kinds of stakers out there that have various levels of knowledge. So what would you recommend to the stakers when they consider choosing a staking provider? What should they look out for? Um, well, on any network uh, where um, stakers consider like choosing a staking provider, uh, there are like resources built in on the network uh, that they can use for the due diligence process. Um, and yet just a few Google search or asking a question on Discord can easily point them towards uh, these resources. Uh, so have a look at the Explorer. Uh, sometimes in addition to the Explorer, there's uh, nice third party tools like Staking Rewards website or uh, uh, Validator dashboard specific to the protocol where well, they can have a look at the staking providers and okay how much uh, voting power is already allocated to them uh, what's their uptime uh, what is their uh, uh, involvement in uh, governance uh, and it's basically public information right the whole history is on chain uh, it stays there and uh, it's best to yeah, decentralize among a few providers, kind of diversify your stake among uh, a few providers that uh, you would trust uh, with good uptime, uh, good involvement in governance, and uh, why not take a look at like the projects that, that they've built also on the blockchain. I know it's hard. Uh, the due diligence part is, is very hard uh, because sometimes you hold 50 different coins uh, or 20 different coins and you want to stake and you arrive on these pages and there's like 200 different validators <laughs> and you're like, who am I going to choose? What's happening? Uh, so you, a lot of users, they tend to just go for the first one, uh, which makes sense because it looks like it's the most trusted one, but uh, actually, yeah, further down the list, you have a lot of uh, very good providers as well. And 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 it's hard. It's, it's very hard to kind of uh, make, make that decision to help contribute decentralize the set, but it's really in the interest of the network. Um, cool, cool. Um, and so how do you think will the staking market overall look like in the future? Like will investors still have to choose their staking providers at all kind of, or will it all be aggregated with like, um, yeah, kind of liquid staking solutions or like other kind of uh, aggregators which delegate for you kind of, so you don't even have to do those decisions anymore. Like how, how do you think will that play out like going forward? Um... I think we're going to see a mix of both. Uh, liquid staking is uh, somehow the future of staking and aggregators too. Uh, they're going to keep growing uh, and they're going to keep growing to a very large market share of the staking market. And 
while liquid liquid staking providers are very good at uh, doing the due diligence for you and uh, actually decentralizing uh, their own value data set and some do it algorithmically uh, sometimes decentral sometimes delegating to hundreds of validators so that they're very good at it uh, yet uh, it's kind of a winner take all market and they also tend to attract a lot of the voting power for themselves and attract liquidity and voting power and on each network you tend to see like one uh, leading liquid staking provider that then has a lot of voting power um, so their liquid staking is going to be here uh, in the future aggregators uh, as well uh, because as a small uh, especially like smaller token holders uh, doing the due diligence work is very hard and liquid staking in addition to doing the due diligence for you offers like clear uh, benefits in terms of having your coins liquid but also like being able to generate extra yield uh, sometimes they drop you uh, one of their own coins on top of the your staking reward sometimes uh, you can use this for uh, yield farming and earn like even a higher yield while still earning staking rewards um yet uh it adds another layer uh, of risk and it has another layer of fees and what i'm seeing uh with a lot of institutional providers especially is uh they have like a st strong interest uh both for like risk related reason or uh, fee related reason a lot of them still uh, are more interested into like direct uh staking it's a strategy, uh, but uh, if managed well, it uh, kind of can be uh, cheaper in terms of fees. Uh, and uh, also like it, it, there's less risk. So when playing with like third party and clients money, uh, it's, it, it's something to take into consideration. Uh, but others are also looking at liquid staking because well, th there are advantages uh, in it that are, that are very clear. Um, so I think we're looking at the market where, uh, I mean, just like in finance, you have funds and funds of funds and funds of funds of funds. Uh, staking might just like evolve in, in that direction. And sometimes some users will select to elect directly their staking providers. Some, pro some others will prefer funds of funds and some others will probably go for like <laughs> the funds of funds of funds of funds approach, right? <laughs> and, and at the end, uh, it's, it really depends to, to the user and the client what, what's best for them and can depend on their strategy on how much assets they have and uh, how much like risks uh, they're willing to accept. Yeah, and it seems like there's a lot of risk and advantage to both liquid staking and directly staking as a validator um, that needs to be weighed when making these considerations. And I, I couldn't help but laugh when you said uh, fund of funds and fund of fund of funds because, um, you know, we just introduced the SR20, which is an index of uh, liquid staking assets, essentially, when you boil it down. So <laughs> it seems like it is heading in that direction. Um, <laughs> getting, getting back into to risk. So what would you think is a major risk for proof of stake in the staking industry in general? Um, considering we're still very early and the market cap of the entire staking industry is just barely the size of the Bitcoin market cap. What do you think is the major risk that this industry faces? Um, I think one, uh, one potential risk is uh, still around uh, like decentralization uh it depends on like 
the blockchains and networks and some are more centralized uh, than others some are more decentralized uh, so there, there are some networks where you have like a few players uh, that control a lot of burning power and essentially these players uh, I don't if it's like staking providers if they are down then can impact the network but if it's like another like layer uh, it, it also like concentrates a lot, a lot of risks uh, in a few hands uh, then you, you have the regulations too um, where uh, I mean we've seen in the US recently uh, that there's no clear qualifications for like infrastructure provider around the blockchain space and uh, like they even like trying to implement some rules at the regulatory level that may not make sense at all for uh, infrastructure providers. So, but these regulations, they're also more like of a geographical risk because then staking providers, they're almost like miners and uh, probably even more, they can still move around uh, countries uh, in case uh, the, the, in case the ecosystem is not favorable enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are risks around decentralization, but that's like a permanent fight. Uh, risks around regulation, but it's also a permanent fight. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think, I mean, the staking market and staking industry is here uh, to stay. Now it has proven to be uh, resilient uh, enough. Uh, it has proven to uh, do its job, uh, at least like for proof of stake protocols where uh, the consensus are run uh, more uh, efficiently than uh, proof of work and uh, didn't have like major failures over these past uh, years, uh, at least on uh, large uh, market cap and uh, like solid protocols. Um, so I, I, I think like there are a few risks uh, experimentally. It's always about like building and improving and iterating, uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, it's it's here to stay, so nothing major. <laughs> cool, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely think so as well. Um, even there are still a lot of obstacles we have to overcome. Um, it's definitely here to stay, and everything is more like, uh, like a challenge than an actual problem, from what I see, at least. Um, and... I mean, that's definitely also the reason why so many protocols are moving to proof of stake, like not just like the new protocols, like everything new is like launched on some sort of proof of stake and like even like a Zcash moving to proof of stake is quite, uh, quite exciting. Um, so do you think there's uh, a future for proof of work at all? And what would be like a, the different value proposition for like a proof of work chain, for example, opposed to proof of stake? Well, I, I'm more of a proof of stake guy. So uh, proof of work, I haven't followed uh, the latest developments. And uh, like, if there's a future at all, but I think, yeah, the whole industry is moving towards proof of stake. It's much more efficient. Uh, it brings a lot of advantages uh, for new protocols uh, or existing one uh, to uh, move to proof of stake. Uh, but Proof of work is also a proven model, and uh, you can't stop proof of work. You can't stop people uh, from mining. Uh, it's very resilient, and there'll be 
protocols like Bitcoin that won't move to proof of stake and they still have miners and they will still be proof of work. Um, so yeah, the, there's future in, in both uh, in some way. Uh, there's future in hybrid approaches too. Uh, but yeah, the future I want to see being built uh, is definitely the one of proof of stake, which is much more uh, sustainable, uh, fairer, uh, more efficient, uh, brings on a lot of features like decentralized governance uh, that is not so much present in a lot of proof of work protocols. Um, so, but we can't stop people from mining. <laughs> so there'll still be proof of work around for decades. Uh, but yeah, the, the future is is all about uh, staking. I hope. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I wonder the day that we would see Bitcoin switch over to proof of stake, what would it take at this point, really? Um, interesting to kind of think about. But at Staken, what other services do you offer outside of just staking as a service? Do you offer anything else? Um, yes, we do. Um, so uh, because we, we also like have some smart contract developers uh, in the team. Uh, in the past, we've built some decentralized applications on some networks, uh, like the yield farming platform, uh, a no-loss uh, staking lottery that works a bit like pull together, but with staking interests, uh, everything decentralized via smart contracts. But I mean, this, this project is going to get much traction and probably in the future we'll launch other products or improve on those ones. Uh, our core business is really staking and we offer like some value-added services on top of this one. Um, so we built some APIs that institutional investors can use to track their holdings, their yield, their, their rewards. Uh, we've, we're building a dashboard uh, that goes with that. Uh, we have like a very dedicated support. Uh, we provide, so that's for the community. We provide a lot of content and education materials. And for more like uh, institutional uh, customers, uh, we provide a lot of guidance, uh, research, uh, presentation materials, uh, anything to help them like navigate uh, the risks, uh, rewards, advantages, and cons of staking a potential coin within their organization and how to integrate it with their custodian provider. Um, so we, we have like a lot of uh, custom solution. Uh, we're also able to uh, deploy dedicated nodes uh, that can be operated under another brand than ours uh, for uh, large customers uh, willing to have their own node uh, or uh, have like a preferential uh, some different terms uh, that's that's uh, yeah all the services that that we offer and we offer oracle services too uh, actually uh, which is not staking but still infrastructure related uh, we run oracle on teramony and soon uh, on uh, Chainlink. Uh, hopefully where be looking to potentially launch uh, this month our Oracle service. Nice, yeah, that seems quite quite natural for a service like yours. Um, and then, like, what are your general like uh, business goals for the for the coming year? Or like, what are you focusing on outside of like launching on more protocols and then like spinning up Oracle service and and other things and like everything that you just mentioned. Um, what are you focusing on yeah in in general and also like looking into like the let's say like uh 
next five years or something what's the what's the vision for for you guys for your team for your business well we really want to offer like one of the best taking uh, experience out there uh and differentiate ourselves uh, as much as we can uh, in terms of uh, products and uh, customer experience to go like far beyond like just uptime and governance and uh, community uh, education. Uh, so I think our goal within the fi next five years is really to become one or the go-to provider uh, in the European market because uh, the Kinds of kind of where we mostly based, um, and yeah, that means launching on new protocols, as you said. Uh, that means developing more uh, value-added products too, uh, and we want to increase the size of our team, uh, build our brand, build our um, build our uh, product team, build uh, yeah, just uh, further like. Uh, Grow the team, uh, grow the services, offer like best, uh, better services uh, to our existing uh, customers, and uh, it, it, we want to offer like a very custom service uh, in a way, uh, so that um, you know you you can stake uh, any coins with us, and we're always around to kind of help and help you navigate like whatever you need in terms of like risk or uh, applications that uh, you'd like to see on, for for yourself on, on that cryptocurrency. Yeah, excited to see the progression you guys make over the next five years, making a staking experience seamless for the user. And so to kind of wrap up the questions here, a more general question related to layer one blockchains. So do you think the market for layer one blockchains is saturated where it currently stands? Or will there be more new layer ones that come out and are able to actually gain traction as well? That's a good question. Um, I think it's approaching uh, saturation uh, in the way that, I don't know, as a user myself, I'm very happy with the options out there right now. I'm super happy uh, when I use Ethereum uh, for, uh, things that are worth using Ethereum because <laughs> it's a bit expensive. Uh, I'm a happy Solana user. I'm a happy Cosmos ecosystem user. And, and I'm speaking on the personal level. Like, uh, I'm very happy with the existing solutions out there. Uh, but then it seems to be that like the existing solutions currently sometimes don't, don't cover all the use cases. Uh, potentially, sometimes on the business side, uh, is that going to be for layer one or layer twos. I'm not sure, but very often we see like more protocols emerging. Uh, sometimes it's about like IoT related. So I'm, I don't use any IoT application, so I'm not able to say, okay, is this blockchain that already exists good for IoT or is uh, that one that is being pitched uh, potentially better? Uh, but there seems to be like a few business cases uh, that could, on which like other layer ones could be improved. And I see like people building uh, around uh, um, privacy too. Uh, that there's lots of uh, protocols being built around this uh, theme, especially for 
whether business or financial operations, it's very important uh, to have some level of privacy. Uh, in the healthcare space, I haven't seen much applications for blockchains in that space yet. So probably we'll need a new layer one or probably a layer two. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there, there starts to be some some saturation on layer ones. Uh, even like I think VCs are starting to invest much more into layer twos and DApps uh, than in uh, new layer ones. Uh, although they still invest in existing ones uh, that sell them at a discount sometimes. But yeah, um, I've, I mean, it we, we will see, right? It's blockchain, so we're always surprised. Uh, it could be like some every every four years the top 20 is completely different and uh, there are new blockchains being built right now that are going to be extremely successful in the next years uh, and we just did we just couldn't expect it <laughs> bookmark this video and replay it back uh four years from now in 2025 and we'll see you know what's the top 20 for you know layer one blockchains it probably is going to look completely different than what we see now right so there's still room like you're saying for these these edge case business cases uh to be addressed from layer one so we'll see what happens definitely um keep a watch and so edward how, how can people find more information about staking or, or find more information about anything that you're working on where can they go uh, well, we have our website, uh, staking.com, where we list uh, all the protocols that we support in both uh, mainnet and testnet. So if you want to know what we're currently supporting, what we're exploring, uh, what might be uh, the next uh, amazing proof of stake protocol, uh, you can take a look at it. And otherwise, yeah, we have our Twitter account uh, on which uh, sometimes we announce uh, some giveaways too, in addition to like infrastructure protocol updates. Uh, um, there's There was one for Christmas, uh, but there will be some more. Um, and uh, then of course, like to our Discord and uh, Telegram uh, where communities speak around uh, anything that comes to their mind. <laughs> I'll definitely follow you on Twitter and reach out in your Telegram and Discord and see if we can uh get in on that next giveaway that you guys run. So stay tuned, guys. Um, well, thank you so much for joining us here today, Edward. It was uh, really great having you and sharing all your insights from the perspective of a staking as a service provider, of course, Staken uh, being the company that you founded. So thanks again for coming. Uh, Merry Christmas, as always, and uh, Happy New Year. And for everyone watching, check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays. You can find previous episodes on YouTube and Spotify. Also, be sure to read our SR20 index released recently. Please subscribe and like to our channel. Give this video a share. And as always, guys, happy staking. Thank you, guys. Happy staking. Thanks, guys. Happy Christmas. Happy Take care. staking.